Check out these baptism pictures.
fare thee well, fare thee well. Ride on, King Jesus, no man cannot hinder me. Ride on, King Jesus, ride on, no man cannot hinder me, no man cannot hinder me, no man, no man, no man, no man, no man cannot hinder me. Thank you. Amen, amen. Miranda, Miranda Mundo, Nicole Munizzi, Tiffany Castro, Caleb Booker, guys, awesome. 52 of our young people participated about six weeks ago in a thing called Fine Arts. And they are actually selling empanadas today because they need to raise $15,000 so that they can participate at a national level where young people from around America literally around thousands, over 10,000 young people will compete, be competing, and uh, they're going to bring glory to God, obviously, in everything they do, but we are so proud of our young people here. We're a church of generations, amen? We believe that God has a plan for you from the womb to the tomb, amen? From the womb to the tomb, we believe that God has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, this morning, it is a great honor and a great privilege for me to welcome a longtime friend, longtime spiritual mentor. She's not quite old enough to be my mom, but in the faith, she's my mom. And uh, her and her husband, uh, Pastor Wendell, who, uh, and she'll talk about him in just a moment, but they were our mentors. They were our pastors. Uh, Laura was in their very first youth group uh, when she was one years old. And uh, Pastor Jenny was two years old. No, but many, many years ago in Portland, Oregon. And that's where I met my wife, and that's where I met Pastor Wendell and Pastor Jenny. And they've had a great influence. The DNA, the name of our church, the way we operate, what we believe, so much of it comes from Pastor Wendell's faith and vision. He had a great impact on my life. And we do believe that there's something powerful about connections. Pastor Wendell and Jenny started the City Church of Seattle about a little over 20 years ago. And uh, they did a phenomenal job. Over 8,000 people, seven campuses, global ministry. Pastor Jenny was the, a big part of her husband had the vision, but she made the vision happen. And um, about six years, seven years ago, Pastor Wendell asked us to become part of the City Church Network. And uh, we have been a network church with them. She has uh, two children. Can I just mention your children? And she has uh, her son, Judah, who many of you know is Judah Smith, wrote the book, Jesus Is, is Justin Bieber's pastor, I believe now. And uh, he's working through that one, trying to help Justin come along in the faith. And uh, her daughter, Wendy, who married Pastor Benny Perez, they pastor in Las Vegas. And they're doing a phenomenal church, Church of Thousands, great influence in the kingdom. And there are, she's our mom. She's our spiritual mom, the City Church. We love her, and we love you, and we want to welcome her. Come on, let's give her a great big hand. Come on, stand. Let's give her a great big hand as she comes this morning. delightful to be here with you. I always enjoy coming to see what's happening in your midst, and it's always good and progressive, and 
um, exciting to see so many young people. My goodness, that's a sign of a healthy church. And um, so good to be here. I um, They invited me to come, but at the same time, I got an invitation to Miami the week before. So I thought, I'll just come early and um, hang out with the Smiths. And we have the same last name, um, so we must be related somewhere in the eons of history, um, that I would come and hang out with them and their family. They so most graciously allowed me to do so. We've had a great week together, but all with the expectation of coming and uh, being here with you this morning. Church is doing well. Um, Seattle's still raining. <laughs> Nothing new. and um, But um, Judah's doing well. And yes, he does have the claim to fame to be Justin's pastor. However, that's not his that's what he's not most noted for. He's most noted because he's just a good guy, loves Jesus, and um, loves his mother. How many know that's some kind of prerequisite, loving your mother? Um, if you have your Bibles, will you turn with me? And as you do so, to First Timothy, I just want to say how much I appreciate Laura and Eugene and what a great job they're doing here at the church. And especially, I've had longevity with Laura since she was 12 years old. We've known her, and I've always just been so impressed with her tenacity, her faith, her courage, and um, I just think she's an amazing person. And you need to take very good care of her because she is precious, and I don't know anybody that works harder than Pastor Laura. Wouldn't you agree? She's just the hardest-working person I know, and um, she also is extremely loving and one of my heroes, certainly one of my heroes. So take good care of her <laughs> all right turn with me again to um, first timothy and i want to just read briefly actually turn to second timothy i like that one better and um starting with <laughs> with um, verse three of chapter one here is paul the apostle speaking to his son in the faith at this point paul's at the end of his life he's imprisoned in rome and so he's writing this letter to his he calls dearly loved child in the faith now timothy's a grown man he's pastoring a church at this point um but that how, that's how paul sees him and he goes on to say i thank god whom i serve with a clear conscience as my forefathers did when i constantly remember you in my prayers night and day Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy, clearly recalling your sincere faith. Now listen, ladies, this is an encouragement to you. A sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois, then in your mother Eunice, and now I'm confident or convinced is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to keep ablaze the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fearless fearfulness, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. How many know that's our, one of our favorite verses for all of us, probably? That God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. And we're asking for an impartation of your spirit in life. We don't need just a good suggestion. We don't need just good information. We need an impartation. We need to be changed. So we invite you to come and change us transform our thinking our understanding come and fill us afresh with your holy spirit as a result we're we're going to go home different than the way we came thank you father thank you for this wonderful church these wonderful people bless them now in jesus name amen amen 
Pastor Eugene mentioned that my husband passed away two years ago after a a six-and-a-half-year battle with multiple myeloma. And I want to thank those of you who have been around uh, a while and actually prayed for our family. We certainly did live on your prayers during that season of our life. But he's in a better place. Not That's not a cliche. That's a reality. He's in heaven. And guess what? He's healed. He's whole. He's happy. He's running streets of gold. And he does not want to come back, by the way. He's very happy in the presence of Jesus. And um, I'm happy that he's whole and healthy and healed. Amen. Amen. But um, during um, this time of transition, and it has been a major transition, because I was married for 38 years, and when you're married that long, you kind of your me- life becomes so meshed together, it's hard to know where one starts and the other one ends. It really is challenging after one just leaves, just get up and leaves and go to heaven and leaves you here. And here you are faced with a dilemma of understanding who you are. I realized I didn't even know who I was apart from him because our lives were so meshed. I didn't know if what people say, what's your favorite food? Favorite food. Hmm. Whatever he liked, that's what I made. You know, (laughs) what's your favorite thing to do? Hmm. Wow, good question. Never thought about that for 38 years. Because marriage is compromise, you understand. And so the process of compromise, you kind of yield to the desires of your spouse. And so after he left me, I, I all of a sudden had to go through a whole redefining of who I was. Now, one thing never changed. I'm still a child of God. That never changed. But in relationship to who I am and what God has called me to do, this is a time of redefining and, and a time of discovering. Because if, if the, the truth was, if, if God was done with me here on earth, guess what? I'd be in heaven today. He wouldn't have left me here to mess it up. He would have just taken me on home to be with him. So there must be a role. There must be a design. There must be a purpose for me now on earth and so with you. Because if he was finished with you, guess what? You'd be graduated and you'd be home with him in heaven. How many know that's our eternal destiny? That's my new favorite subject, by the way, is heaven. And so it will seep out in whatever I preach. I mean, you know, whatever you're living through, it just seeps out, leaks out in whatever you're speaking on. But um, in this process of redefining, I decided it would be a good idea for me to downsize my house and my stuff. And over 38 years of marriage, you accumulate a lot of stuff. And um, you actually look at it and wonder, how did I get all this stuff and where did it come from? And I was helping Laura make some drapes for her house. And I said, Laura, in 10 years, you're, you're going to look at these drapes and wonder, what were we thinking when we made these drapes? But um, right now, they're cool, cutting edge. But um, in 10 years, nothing's cool, generally speaking. And um, it's just old. And so here I was gathering my possessions and laying them all out and thinking, here's the treasures of my life. Here's what I have earned over the years of my life. And I kind of laid them all out thinking that my children would be so blessed to have these things. I'd sacrifice for these things. I'd save for these things. Surely they want these things. Oh, no. None of it. They wanted zero. Well, except with the exception of the large screen television, of course, priorities. But they didn't even want, you know, the things that I thought were so valuable. So frustrating. I said, what do you mean you don't want this stuff? Sorry, Mom. 
Do you want us to be honest? We don't want it. So I thought for sure my nieces and nephews would just clamor, you know, to it. They're getting married, some of them, and they're young, and they probably, nope, they didn't want it either. So I decided I better hire an estate salesman because I was moving from a larger home, our family home, to a small little condo, and so it just wouldn't fit. How many know you can't put a big foot in a little shoe? Well, some of you have tried. I know you have. And you have blisters to show for it. But really, it's not too comfortable to put a big foot in a little shoe. And so I needed to downsize some of the things. Actually, my furniture wouldn't even fit in the doorway, a lot of it. So I needed to sell it. So I brought in the salesman. I said, now, tell me the value of all of this. Because I tried to sell it myself at the beginning. But then that became very emotional when people came to my house and wanted to buy things for pennies. Pennies on the dollar. I said... How dare you offer me such a little amount? You know, I got really emotional and realized this is not the best idea. So we hired a salesman. He came, and he was going through and looking at all my stuff. He said, no value, no value, no value. I said, what do you mean, no value? These are treasures. These were investments. Sorry, no value. And obviously, value is in the eye of the beholder. And um, <laughs> he wasn't beholding well. And... Um, <laughs> But I still hired him to sell the stuff because I needed to downsize the stuff. The reality is our kids don't want our stuff. But you know what they do want? They want our faith. And, you know, stuff comes and stuff goes, but our faith will last forever. My husband, when he went home to be with Jesus, he didn't take anything with him. I was there. He did not take anything with him. He did not take the books he wrote. We didn't even have them lined up around the room. He didn't take his trophies of faith, and we didn't have those lined up either. He took nothing with him. Thank God he didn't take his money, because I needed it. He, he, used to, <laughs> he, he used to always say, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. What does he mean by that? It's the investment of faith that you deposit in others that will last forever. That's how you can send it ahead. And the reality is, when you get down to the end of your life, all the stuff, all the accolades, the applause of men, articles written about you, you know, television shows, that, you know, reality shows that you might be involved in, all of that means nothing. The only thing that has significance is people. People is the only thing that lasts forever. Everything else passes away. So what we invest in people has the most significance in this life. So it's not about things, ladies and gentlemen. I know you already know that. But it's all about people. And here Paul is commending his son in the faith, Timothy. And he's saying just that in his illustration. First, he, he, commends, his, he commends Timothy's sincere faith. He said, you know, way to go. But he, he then gives the, um, he gives the accolades to the grandmother and the mother. And then all of the grandmothers and mothers said amen to that. He said, the, that faith was not origi- did not originate in you. That sincere living faith that, that you're walking in started in your grandmother, then in your mother, and then it's in you. How many know that's a legacy? That's a true legacy that we leave for our children and our grandchildren. I'm a, a, a mother of two, as, as has already been stated, and I have two really great kids who are in the ministry today. 
loving Jesus and doing a great work. But my, my best accomplishment is 12 grandkids. Excuse me. I only have seven. Where did the extra five come from? Um, <laughs> maybe I'm prophesying, but um, probably not. But um, I have seven beautiful grandchildren. They range in age 12. This is where the 12 came from, age 12 to 1. And they're just as amazing as you can imagine. And we have a real blended family. My, my daughter married Benny Perez. And so he's of the, you know, he's the, the brown flavor. And um, my son married Chelsea Smith, and she's quite vanilla. And so we have a very nice range of color and in, our, in the grandkids. They're amazing. But um, in my downsizing and in my moving, I ended up moving right next door to my son. By the way, I asked first. Some of you are wondering if I just moved in and said, I guess who's your new neighbor? <laughs> no, I asked. I said, you guys better pray about this because um, the kids are going to come over and the kids tell me everything. No more secrets. And uh, <laughs> they don't have much to say. But... Um, as a result of me living next door, I literally, my front door is like 10 feet from their front door because we live in condominiums that are high-rise. And so every morning at 7 a.m., because they won't let her out of the house before 7 a.m., she watches the clock, and she runs out the door, and she comes to my door, and she knocks persistently, even up to a half hour, until I answer the door. And um, I open the door, and there she stands with her hair a mess. And usually has kind of two cockeyed pigtails and um, her jammies and no shoes and big, big smile on her face saying, Hi, Grammy. And she toddles into my house and say, Got pancakes? You make the best pancakes in the whole world, Grammy. I don't, I don't think she's had anybody else's, but... Um, and so guess what I do? I make pancakes every morning. I'm now a short-order cook. Would I have done that for my kids? No, I wouldn't have done that for my kids. I would have said, here's the food, eat it, you know. But for the grandkids, it's different. How many say amen to that? And so every morning, I'm making pancakes for that little blonde-headed beauty. And, um, and she is a kick in the pants. She is so cute. She makes me smile. Honestly, when she walks in the door in the morning, I can be, you know, tired. I can be jet lagged. Doesn't matter. When she walks in, my day brightens up immediately. Her little smile, her little gait, and her attitude of, you know, Grammy can do anything. She says that to me. Grammy, you can do anything. <laughs> of course I can. <laughs> and she makes me smile because of her confidence in me, her love for me. And so your good heavenly father. Do you know he has that same attitude towards you? When you walk into his morning with your messed up hair, no shoes, <laughs> you walk into his morning with that smile, guess what? His heart lights up too. And his attitude is one of, I'm crazy about my child. You know, when my little granddaughter walks into my presence, I don't think about her as being, you know, needing to learn a few things. That's not my first response to her. Well, honey, we've got a few things to learn today. So brush your teeth and comb your hair because we've got business to do. That is not my attitude at all. Just the opposite. I want to hug her. I want to kiss her even when she has bad breath. I want to hold her. I want to tickle her. I want to engage with her. I want to make her pancakes. No business. 
We're just loving each other. And so your good heavenly father, he wants to grab a hold of you, love on you. He wants to engage with you. You make him smile. He is crazy about you. He's crazy about you. He doesn't want to just do business first thing in the morning. He just actually wants to hang out with you and love on you and let you love on him. I'm telling you, that's the kind of faith that Timothy here is being commended for. Paul calls it a sincere faith. It's a faith that um, is not earned. It's not something that you qualify for. There's no qualifying for your relationship with Jesus. Amen? You don't qualify by good behavior. There's only one way that you come into relationship with the living God, and that's by faith. What kind of faith are we talking about? Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says it this way. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't even please him if you don't have faith. What is faith? Faith is the initiation of everything in the Christian life. Everything begins with faith. Believing what? Believing two things. The scripture goes on to say, you must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What are we believing? We're believing, number one, that he is involved in every detail, every circumstance, and every situation of our life, even when things aren't going our way. How many know we have no guarantees in this life that we won't suffer? But we don't want to blame God for the suffering. He's our good heavenly father. He doesn't produce suffering to teach us character. I don't create ways for my grandchildren to suffer, to to teach them character. That's ridiculous. I try to rescue them from suffering. I try to save them from suffering. Yet they will go through their bumped knees. They will go through their aches and pains and their troubles and their tribulation. But I want to bless them and help them and encourage them in that process. And so your good Heavenly Father wants to do the same for you. You've got to believe that He exists in every detail, in every circumstance every situation of your life. I know when my husband was passing away, I can't tell you the pain of losing a loved one um, of 38 years. That was It was the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my life. Truly, it was. It was devastating. There were some dark moments in that loss and in that grief. But Jesus was always the same. He was that one that sticks closer than a brother. That one that would never left and never forsake. He was that comforter speaking to me even in those desperate times. And I'm telling you, he will do the same for you. Oh, don't think that your God is some austere being. That all he wants to do, you know, straighten out your life and make you fly right. And that, that somehow our life is just a series of rules and regulations in order to get God's favor. And then there there might be a tiny bit of blessing. No, your good heavenly father wants to bless you, help you, aid you, assist you, lift you, strengthen you, heal you, impart to you. Amen. Our good heavenly father wants to make sense of your suffering. He wants to take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good in your life. He can rescue from loss. He can buy back from destruction. He can take the very thing that the enemy wanted to use against me. He can make it like a weapon in my hand to use against the very one that was trying to destroy me. He can do that for you. I've experienced it. It's true. He is more. He is more than just some distant God. He's a loving, good, 
gracious Heavenly Father who loves you and is crazy about you and wants to do you good. And the second thing we have to believe, not only does he exist, but he is good. We have to believe he's a rewarder and not a punisher. That he wants to bless us. That he wants to help us. In the same way, I delight in blessing my grandchildren and giving them whatever, you know, within reason I can gift them with. However, there are times where actually Grammy, good old Grammy, has to say no. You know, it's not going to be expedient. It's not going to be helpful. It's not going to be a blessing to your life. And so, yes, we might have to say no to a vehicle at 12 years old. How many know that's not wisdom to give a 12-year-old the keys to the car, even though they're real persistent in their insistence that they can drive the car? A wise adult is not going to give the 12-year-old the keys to the car, no matter what. And so you're a good Heavenly Father. Sometimes we pray for things, we ask for things that are not going to be good for us. You have to trust His love for you, that if He says no, or if there's a delay in the process, it's always for your best interest. Did you hear me? He always has your best interest in mind. It's never just about one, it's always about all. It's never just, you know, in, in the sense of, you know, Wendell going to heaven prematurely. As I said, God still has a plan for my life. He still has a purpose for me here on earth. If that wasn't the case, I'd be in heaven with my husband. And so it's not just about, you know, Wendell going to heaven. It's also about me fulfilling my destiny, the God, plan of God in my life here on earth while I'm still down here. And then someday we'll all be reunited in heaven. By the way, let me just give you a little bonus material here. This is a bonus. There is no ticket to heaven. You understand that? There's no ticket to heaven. So you can't lose your ticket to heaven. So don't think for a minute, i got to get to church. I failed this week. I had a bad attitude. I did something wrong. I sinned. I fell short. i got to get to church and have the pastor re-punch my ticket. I lost my ticket. I need my ticket. What if Jesus comes back and I get left because my ticket isn't current? That's not how you get into heaven. There is no ticket. There's only one way into heaven, ladies and gentlemen. The only way in heaven is to be born into the family. When you're born into the family, you inherit what the fathers. That's the only way in. If you're a child of the Most High God, you're going to heaven. So you can sleep easy at night. And the next time daylight savings hits and you forget and you get to church an hour early and everybody's not there yet and you wonder if, if they all got raptured and you got left. <laughs> you don't have to worry because if you're a child of God, you're going to heaven. What if you fail? What if you make a mistake? What if you sin? Ask forgiveness. But your going to heaven is not based on your behavior. It's based on his grace. Amen? And his free gift to you. You just have to receive it by faith. Again, getting back to that word faith. And that's the kind of faith that we see here in Timothy. I'm getting short on time. But let me just give you just a few def definitions of this word faith. It's a sincere faith. It doesn't. There's no pretense. It's honest. It's authentic. It's unqualified for. You can't qualify for this faith. It's a dependent faith. It's a leaning your entire personality on on God. It's a, like a child would lean his full weight 
on a parent that might be carrying them in their sleepy state. And we've all done that. We've picked up a little child and carried them into their bed. And that's the kind of faith that we're talking about, completely leaning on him. It's a confident faith. It's an absolute trust in his goodness and his blessing. It's a faith that encompasses wisdom and good judgment. It's a faith that encompasses his goodness. Again, his desire is always to do us good, never to do us evil. It's a faith that grows. It grows in us. And as a result, we can plant it in others and see it grow in them. It's a strong faith. It's a faith that continues proving him faithful, that doesn't give up in the hard time, that doesn't back down, that doesn't allow the enemy to bring deception into our heart and mind and think that somehow God created the problem, the issue, the struggle that we're going through. No, that's a result of sin and suffering and a devil and a fallen world. Your God wants to rescue. He's a redeemer. He buys back from loss. He rescues from destruction. He helps. He aids. He assists. He loves with an everlasting love. That's the kind of faith I want to pass on to my children and my children's children. How about you? That faith first needs to be in us. So then we have something to give away. And honestly, people are the only thing that lasts forever. It's the best thing that we can invest our life in. Caring for, strengthening, imparting, building people. It's our legacy. It's what we're called to do. It's what we're challenged to do. Paul goes on to Timothy and says, as a result of that faith, stir up the gift of God in you. What is that word? It means to stoke the faith. How do we stoke it? You take a poker. In the Northwest, we know about these things. We have fires because we're cold. You're never cold here, except when you have the air conditioning up so high. Whoa. But <laughs> the po- you get a poker. My husband, we used to have a wood stove. Can you imagine? <laughs> we had a wood stove in the 21st century. And um, he, would, he would get in there in the morning, and he would poke the embers. What is he doing? He's, he's breaking through the the. the, the the part of the wood that has burnt out and he's getting to the live embers and then what does he does he puts the wood on the fire and gets the fire flaming again so what we need to do as a result of the faith that's been invested in us stoke the fire now paul says to timothy you do this you stoke the fire you put yourself in a position where the fire can be stoked in you where it can be again kind of turn up the heat And as a result, release that grace, that gift of God in your life and ministering to others. How do we stoke the fire? Put ourselves in the presence of God, just like Sunday morning here in church. Get into his word. Spend time in prayer. What are we doing? We're stoking the fire. We're stirring up the gift so we can think right, have the right perspective, have that attitude of faith that's going to propel us on into people's lives, ministering, loving, caring, lifting, strengthening. You know Having lived through these last days of my husband's life, he used to say, you know, when I, when I pass away, I, I don't want to be surrounded by trophies of achievement. He said, I want, I want my loved ones around me when I pass away. And that's exactly what happened. It was all family, loved ones that were closest to him that were with him when he passed from this life into eternity. And really... That's the most important thing. Because everything else will pass away. And by the way, 
your kids don't want anything else. They don't want the stuff that you work so hard for. They want the faith that you persevered for. That's the greatest investment. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Truly. Truly. We need you. We need that anointing. We need that impartation of your spirit. We need that life of God. We're so grateful. We're so thankful for those who have paid the price for us. They've prayed. They've believed. They've contended. And as a result, we've been influenced for righteousness. And so we recognize that we need to stoke the flame in ourselves, that we too can be influencers, life givers, builders, strengtheners, imparters to others. Taking what the enemy meant for our destruction, using it for good. Punishing disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. Seeing people saved and transformed because of our life. Thank you, Father, for grace and strength and anointing of your Holy Spirit upon each one here. And I also thank you for faithful women, mothers and grandmothers that have prayed through generations. And as a result, children are walking in truth today. I pray we keep on praying, not get weary in well-doing, not give up, not back down, not retreat. There's no retreat. No retreat. We're moving forward in faith. As a result, people are going to be saved. In Jesus' name, amen.